What's President Trump's most hated Sesame Street character? The Coke! Ah, ah, ah. This is Sexy Dad Jokes. This is Johnny Spaz, and welcome to episode four of Sexy Dad Jokes. Hey, Ben Jammin, why don't mushrooms run for president? Hey there, Johnny Spaz. Mushrooms. Hmm. Why don't they run? Because they're spore losers. Oh. oh my goodness, that mushroom doesn't sound like a very fun guy. Uh. <laughs> hey, Mers. Superman and Chuck Norris once agreed to a fight. Oh, wow. Sounds like a real roundhouse kick of a time. Yes, indeed. How could you possibly figure out the loser of that fight? But here's a clue. The loser had to wear their underwear on the outside of their pants for the rest of their life. Hey, Hey guys. Now, we just had an election in America full of winners and losers up and down the ballot. But it's different in Finland. Do you know why no one in Finland ever is a loser? Why? Well, because every line is a finish line. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, all together now. Well, welcome, welcome to Sexy Dad. Norris uses pepper gas to season his steaks. <laughs> it's January 14th, 2021. We're about to get a new president. And not only is the old one unable to bow out gracefully, but he is actively inciting insurrection and now disgracefully impeached. Welcome all to episode four of Sexy Dad Jokes. I'm Ben Jammin, here with Johnny Spaz, Mike Mers, and Square50's Guy. This podcast is about our journey to be better men, exploring what is toxic in our masculinity and striving to live out a more healthy form of manliness. This is a very dark moment in American history. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Let's not forget to mention that this is the second time he's been impeached. Mm. He who should not be named. Yes. <laughs> the sequel. As someone who loves America, who believes in freedom and democracy, I worry deeply about the country my son and daughter are growing up in. While we like to have lots of fun with sexy dad jokes, we cannot ignore the crisis that is happening around us as we speak. So today, we're taking a hard look at America's sore loser in chief as we examine the toxicity in refusing to accept defeat. We look at how rejecting defeat ignores the important chances for growth that come with failure. And we see what happens when you eschew integrity in favor of calling for the overthrow of a democratic legal election. How would a real man secure in his masculinity be handling himself in a situation like the president's? In short, we ask ourselves, how do we lose like a man? But before we get to that, first, we have a big announcement to make. Merce? Okay, so 2020 got me, right? I was almost there. New Year's was just a few days away. I wasn't feeling well at all. I was really fatigued. Uh, you know, I woke up and took a shower. And after the shower, I was just exhausted. The next morning, I woke up and experienced a loss of taste and smell. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go get tested for COVID. 
I received the results a couple days later and 2020 COVID got me. Mm. So my household decided to isolate and I would stay in my room by myself uh, until 24 hours after my fever was gone and other symptoms had improved and 10 days after my symptoms had started. Mm. So that was the instructions that I received from the DOH. Um, I was isolated in my room. Now I had a TV, right? With Netflix and whatnot on it. Mm. I had my computer so I could play my video games. I had my phone so I could get in touch with people. I had a nice little silver bell so I could ring for service, of course. Um, that was weird, though. Having to, quote-unquote, ring a bell or call or text. Um, I was really going to have to rely on others, not only for food, uh, but for everything else I might want or need since I was in isolation and couldn't go anywhere. And that, you know, it's just an odd feeling. Now, the first couple of days, I was very fatigued. Uh, I would get up to play a video game, and by the time the game loaded, which only takes a few minutes, uh, I would get into it, and I just was so muddle-headed I couldn't, um, couldn't focus enough to play, and I was super tired. So then I would go back, lay down, turn on you know, World War II in color or something, and then take a nap. I certainly felt weak. I mean, and we're always supposed to be strong as a man. Mm. And one of the things that this really did was, you know, I, I just felt really weak. Um, and one day I vomited all day, just nauseous oh. all day. Um, and then the next day it was no problem, right? These are just weird symptoms. None of this makes sense to what I'm used to feeling. Uh, way different than all the other times I've been sick. Now, the, the lack of smell and taste took a while to come back. Uh, that came back a few days ago. The nose is still stuffy in the morning and was just on fire for like two weeks, just burning on the inside like somebody had taken mm. a, a power drill and scraped around on the inside of my nose. Just hurting. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right in, right in your nostril. <laughs> I didn't even curse there. Uh, <laughs> now, my lungs are recovered, but they were hurting really bad, like hollow, just like a lot of pressure on my chest. And... I haven't experienced any of the fatigue for a couple of days now, right? But it was exhausting. Uh, it was similar to pneumonia, I would say, and the flu and the cold all at the same time mm. for at least twice as long, right? Now, pneumonia lasts a little bit longer, but the cold and the flu should be gone in a couple of days, at least in my whole life of experience. So this was just really weird and different. Needless to say, I had a lot of time to think and reflect. I thought about the show and toxic masculinity, of course, as we've been working on this episode. And so for 11 or 12 days, I'm having very little social interaction. No one to talk to face-to-face. -face. I'm stuck in a room. I was very lonely. I felt vulnerable weak. I kind of felt like I was, like I felt guilty, even though it wasn't my fault, right? Um, I, kind, I, I did feel trapped, too, because I couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. I felt kind of worthless for no reason, and I had to rely on others, everybody in my household. Now, this made me feel grateful. Don't get me wrong. Um, for my community and the people in my house helping so much. But I just really want to say that this is real. Mm. It does really suck and it lasts way too long. And it is difficult because it isn't a cold or the flu or pneumonia. And that means it doesn't make sense or it doesn't follow the same rules that we're used to when we get sick. So I just followed the instructions from the DOH and did my part to get us all through this. My, my understanding now is that I'm immune for three months, at least three months, 
or at least that I have antibodies, which is kind of like being immune. Um, I felt pretty good yesterday and today I feel great. Had some coffee. Um, so I'm ready to just feeling ready to go. So, you know, kind of like, let's go and let's, let's do this. Um, you know, and I did want to say, I have a friend, uh, whose grandfather is in the hospital with COVID and nobody can visit him. And I've oh, been at, sucks. I've, I've been at the bedside of family members who were dying right before they died or literally as they died. Um, and that's an important special time for me mm-hmm. and for those people as well. And my friend's grandfather who's in the hospital and can't be visited. Um, I just found out and who has got only a couple of zoom calls because the nurses have to help with zoom because he's just not good at operating it. Hmm. Uh, he, he just died this morning. Oh, wow. So he died alone in a hospital room with a couple of phone calls, a couple of zoom calls and that's it. And that's, I made it through it, but getting that news this morning was pretty as I made it through it. Right. Like, Oh, I survived. No big deal. But yeah, you get survivor's guilt. Well, I don't have survivor's guilt so I mean, much. It, it can it can make people feel that though in that position. It sure could. I mean, so my point is that it's, it's real. Yeah. Somebody just died that, you know, didn't have anybody with them and that's that's it's a tough spot. So we really all need to be the guardians and wear your mask. Yeah. Maris, thanks so much for sharing that with our yeah, listeners. Man. Yeah, I appreciate the venue. Yeah. You know, we got your back in this. And as someone who's surviving COVID, what are your reflections on on how we're handling this as a country and how our leaders are leading during this really difficult time? Well, leading. I mean, who's leading? I, I got a postcard uh, from March 14th. I should have grabbed it and read it. But it says like, so from the president, from the president's desk, from President Trump, and it says, Follow what your governor says, right? And we've had a problem in this state. I just talked to a woman that didn't want to wear a mask. And I was like, coming out of COVID going, are you serious? Like, this is a real thing. I just had it. So who's leading? I, I, I just don't. There hasn't been the leadership that I expected in this kind of crisis. I think that the governor of my state has done a good job of telling us we're going to get through it. And I felt mm-hmm. more confident. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel that from the uh, highest office in the land. Mm. Um, and. Yeah. I mean, this is not about shackling your face or anything like that. It's about protecting your community. Mm. So our leaders haven't been protecting the pack. They haven't been those, the, the good guardians that we need. No, they haven't. And I mean, we're bailing out massive corporations and not helping people. That's what this latest mm. bill came through. People are getting shafted and forced to stay at their job. Uh, you know, you got to stay at this job. We're not going to compensate you for the fact that you might get sick. Mm. Do you even have enough sick time to be away from work? Is your employer that put you in harm's way because you have to continue to go to work? Are they then going to cover you for when you are sick for two to six weeks? Uh, you know, that was a tough thing for isolation here. Um, one of the people that was affected by my isolation had to, uh, not go to work and they're a, a self proprietor, right? So they have their own company. And they couldn't go to work. So that's, I don't know. We should be, that person should be compensated, right? If it's 24 days, 10 days, and then 14 days, which it can be that long, that's a long time to be out of work. That's three and a half weeks. And I don't know too many people that can afford three and a half weeks away from work, like in my demographic. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't think of 
yeah, there's a few people that could handle it, but most people would be like, dude, three weeks of pay, I'm done for. And that's who we should be. Like, if you get COVID, if you test positive, here's your $2,000 or something, right? Mm-hmm. You just get two grand just to help you get through the next two weeks. And to stay home from work. <laughs> just to stay home from work. If the corporations aren't going to cover it, and then we're giving these, we're bailing out massive corporations, but they won't cover you staying home from work. I don't get it, you know? Yeah. But that, I digress. So like on a personal level, how has this tested you as a man? What I learned from this, um, you know, I was diminished and weak and tired, right? Like it takes, it's very difficult to feel that way for so long. Um, I was tired and drained. I had to rely on others. I couldn't be self-reliant. Masculinity is about strength. Usually you're always supposed to be strong and never weak. And that wasn't possible for me. Um, but we're human and we, we all need to care for the pack and we also need to care for ourselves, I guess. So mm. it was it was tough to feel that reliant on other people. And then part of my own personality being kind of an extrovert is really hard not to leave the house. That took a lot of um took a lot of effort for me to just say, no, I'm gonna stay in here for at least 10 days. And it was eleven or twelve days, depending on when you want to count when it started. So I, I did my due diligence, but it was difficult and it was hard to be that vulnerable. It was hard to share being that vulnerable. Like I told my mom and you know, told my, my lady, but yeah. Well, thanks Mers. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we've been able to catch glimpses throughout your journey. Cause even when you were in seclusion, battling a deadly virus, you still showed up to our like online production meetings. So we're, we're wishing you and your family a safe and speedy recovery. I really do want to say thank you for that too. Y'all were super supportive and that was great. And it was really nice to have that meeting. I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, it was yeah. nice to be face to face with y'all to a certain extent and feel like it was normal. So thank you for all your support, gentlemen. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Of course. Okay. So let's check our mailbag. There's one comment I'd really like to call out. A dear friend of ours, Tracy from New York has been intrepidly battling the scourge that is cancer. As someone who has beaten cancer myself, I'm absolutely delighted to get word that she has defied the odds and is now in remission. Massive congratulations, Tracy. Woo! Yeah, that's great. That's good news. And we need it. I give her a 21 drill salute. <laughs> <laughs> She wrote to us offering her feedback on episode three, our holiday show, Toxic Shopping and Retail Life. We had a lot of fun talking about Karens and Chads and the toxicity in retail spaces, along with special guest Josh Richards, grandson of SDJ's own Richard Richards III Jr. In her comment, Tracy said some really incredibly nice things about the show, but what stuck out to me was when she called our discussions, quote, evolved. Honestly, that is the highest compliment I think we could ever get. We're all trying to grow and be better men and just evolve with the times. We don't always have all the right answers, but hopefully we're asking the right questions. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not moving forward, you're going backward. Hopefully, Sexy Dad Jokes keeps moving forward together. Yeah, um, I I think that it's about adapting. You know, I, I think about this a lot. I reflect on it a lot. So why would I be opposed to somebody wearing different clothes or doing something differently or, you know, using upspeak or something that's kind of a newer way to do things uh, for people younger than me? And I think that a big part of that is like 
I reflect and I go, wait, now, what if I was so free to be able to do that when I was their age, right? So it's that adaptation to the way that things are changing, to the language we use, to the way that we are more inclusive, those types of things. I think I, I like to look at them and think, wow, what a much more free society we have that it is including everybody in that liberty that I have experienced or feel like I've experienced my whole life. That's great. Now, if I can reflect a bit since the last episode, I've actually caught myself getting toxic after a worker got my order wrong at the drive through. And while yes, like get the friggin' order right already, I think I could have handled myself better. Well, what, what happened? Well, so I, I gave my order in the speaker, then drove up only to have them ask me to repeat the order. And I guess they were doing a shift change or something, and the previous guy didn't catch it. And I was almost home after a long drive and just wanted to get home. And I, I think I was a little short with him. I made my annoyance known, saw that I had made my point, and then just kind of moved on. And so I wouldn't say I like crossed any lines or anything, but reflecting on it just didn't feel good, you know, like about how I carried myself. Mm-hmm. These folks are just scraping by in these jobs. And this is what we talked about in that last episode, which is, which is cool. It's like, I, because we did that episode, it really made me think twice about how I responded with every customer who drives through, they face another COVID risk. So given that discussion that we had last episode, I do think there might've been a little bit of me feeling sort of like above this. And, and I don't like that in myself. I think that's what sexy dad jokes is all about, right? That that is what we're supposed to be doing is reflecting, uh, adapting, advancing, doing things differently, recognizing when maybe you shouldn't have been so curt or abrupt Yeah, and been able to relate to them. What do you think you should have done differently? Well, I think start by asking, so what happened? which I did. And then literally just say, gosh, I have to repeat myself. Okay. I know this is a hard job. It wasn't your fault. You have to ask again and then just kind of get into the order. You sort of have to acknowledge, you know, whatever it is that happened, call it out in a gentle way and then demonstrate understanding about their circumstances and, and then extend, actually extend empathy Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you can even like try to make a joke out of it or something or bring positivity rather than just being like hateful and negative. Yeah. I think you got to create the window into your, um, that reflection process cr- kind of creates a window into your frustration and that allows you to kind of make changes in, in, um, when you reflect back. You know, like, right. well, next time I know this is going to happen again at some point, I'm going to come home from work or I'm not going to want to cook. Yeah. There's going to be something I got to do and I'm going to be in this right. situation again. Like, how do I better uh, be more aware of that? I mean, if, and that's why this stuff is hard because you have, you kind of, you really got to want to do it, you know, mm. yeah. you can't fake it. If you want it, you'll do it. If not, you know, you'll work, you know, you won't. Yeah. You have to convince yourself that it's, that this is the, the way <laughs> you have to convince yourself not to not convince yourself, but like, look, I have these habits and I need to change some of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody wise once told me people do what they want all the time. They just might not realize that they want to do it. 
that's the another part that that's not what they said but for me it's like well yeah if i didn't want to do something i really wouldn't do it in the moment you wanted to do that ben and in the moment i want to do things like that too and then i reflect on them and i go okay so how do i in the moment stop myself from being that way right i guess well, that's that's what i've tried to do i would say like i don't disagree with that Merz, but i would say i would frame it differently saying it felt good to react that it's that reaction is almost a, a, a release of pressure you know if you think about the anger building up pressure that frustration and then saying something like venting your frustration to somebody yeah and that's part of mindfulness so yeah you don't always have to be able to change your mood at at the snap of a finger but to at least recognize the mood you're in and how that that affects others so that when you do interact with people you're not doing it to sort of please yourself you know like that when you vent frustration you do it for your own sake you don't do it for for your audience's sake you do it for your own sake and to be able to go about life being mindful of how whatever mood you're in is affecting you so that you can be at least somewhat in control of, of what you're putting out there into the world. Okay. So before we move on, Johnny Spaz has something to ask of you, dear listener. So here's what I would like. If everybody would send us their favorite dad joke, and if you would be so kind, post something on social media or the space book or the face place or the, where's the other things we have then Twitter and Twitter, TikTok, website, TikTok, rock, knock. Yeah. All that stuff. Info at sexy dad jokes. I think. Yeah. Send it to info at sexy dad jokes.com and we'll read your jokes and we'll give you credit, give you props, we'll make it fun. Interact with us. Engage. Yeah. And we are on TikTok now. Just created a new account. So look us up. I still don't know what a TikTok is what all the kids are doing it's a movie like a vine kind of it's the new vines it's like you can floss for 15 seconds it's amazing it's tons of fun One more thing to make me feel old <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll have to start the sexy dad joke challenge yes and yeah. i think that's so what i'd really like is um i want to do a thousand dad <laughs> jokes on groundhog's day thousand dad jokes for groundhog's day and record it <laughs> yeah so we're planning to do 1K for Groundhog's Day. Yeah. We're going to go live and we're going to read off a thousand dad jokes. So tune in, watch out. <laughs> Gems like, how do you spot a blind man on a nude beach? The only one wearing clothes. It's not hard. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's sexy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> sexy dad jokes. Oh. Josh just turns his head and he's like, yeah, he's done. Dude. I cannot support Get that. Pants. Square 50s guy, forget about it. I cannot support that stance. <laughs> Come on. I don't even know if it makes sense there. It does. Well, nobody said I had to wear pants. <laughs> Who is that guy? Where did you get that from? All right, all right, all right. I think that covers the housekeeping. So let's get to this. So in recent weeks, we've witnessed an open assault on a fundamental American tenet that we are a democracy that gives power to the people in selecting our leaders. 
This is a value that has been hard fought that many, many, many Americans have given their lives to defend. Now, I wonder what would happen if Square 50's guy made a similar assault on another national pastime. Play ball! Love the sights, sounds, and smells of our national pastime. What a lucky funkle I am to be outside on a beautiful day supporting my niece in this little league game. Go, Lily! I'd much rather see these ankle biters on the diamond than on my lawn. Well, <laughs> if it isn't Richard Richards the Third, uh, Junior. How do we keep bumping into each other? Are you following me, Square 50s guy? Oh, don't you razz my berries, Spaz. If I was following you, you'd never be hip to it, Daddy-O. I put the grr in cloak and dagger, baby. The Red Menace has no clue what they're up against. Okay, that was kind of a creepy, weird way to answer. <laughs> what the heck are you doing here, then? Anyway, like, I don't, what, what are you, why are you here, Richard? Oh, golly, yes, Spaz. Well, my youngest grandson, Richard Richards V, Jr., is playing today in one of America's oldest traditions. Domination! <laughs> uh, don't you mean our national pastime, baseball? Uh, yes, yes, that too. I am here to support my grandson and be an observer for the inevitable cheating that will take place as the other team tries to steal a rigged game. Well, well, Richard, well, that's quite the inflammatory accusation you've made there, buddy. The game's barely even started and he's already convinced that it's rigged. Do you have any evidence or are you just worried that your grandson's team is going to lose? Strike! What? That's no strike. I'll strike you. Whoa, dude, chill. Oh. I'm sorry, Spaz. It's just that nothing poops my party more than losing. When we compete, we dominate. It's the American way. Is it, though? And someone with my genes, well, there's no way young Richard V Jr. can lose. And if he does, it's clearly only because we've been swindled. Don't you give my grandson the royal shaft, you cheaters. Miss Richard, why so fixated on winning and losing? You know, in life, it's more about the journey than the destination, bro. I mean, these kids are learning teamwork, fitness, and yes, competition. But if you focus too much on the score, you'll miss out on everything in between. Do you see that ankle biter trying to steal that white bag in the ground while the pitcher's not looking? It's just like how they're trying to steal the game. Bruh, <laughs> you're allowed to steal second base in baseball. This is basic, bro. Those beatnik umpires have it out for us. I was saying this before the game even started. I told you, I was trying to warn everyone, but no one would listen. It's high time I get one of those Twitter accounts everyone's talking about. <laughs> wait, hold on, wait, 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 wait. 
How would you know that they have it out for you before the pitch is even thrown? The Red Menace works in mysterious ways, Spaz. So, the Elks are working for Soviet communists to sabotage your grandson's little league. (laughs) Hey, do you see that smug, elitist scorekeeper over there? Him and his out-of-touch scoreboard? Drain the swamp! (laughs) (laughs) The swamp? Really? The swamp? Oh, come on, Richard, my boy. Get at it. It's not worth playing if you can't win. If you're not first, you're last. You're out! What? He was safe by a mile. If you only count the legal outs, we win in a landslide. People, people, this ump has got to go. Say it with me. Lock him up. Lock him up. Ah, lock him. Uh, why is no one chanting with me? <laughs> Richard, take a breath. A real man is not so insecure about himself that he loses his cool and composure at the whiff of a perceived threat to his masculinity. I mean, a real man is in control of himself, his actions and his words, win or lose. You're right, Spaz. This is no catch me out. Is it time for my afternoon highball yet? I need to take a drag of some of my smooth, mild Chesterfield cigarettes. Oh, that'll cure what's ailing me. Strike three, you're out! You know, Spaz, I was always suspecting our equipment manager was not loyal. (laughs) Maybe it's time to tell him you're fired. And the coach... He hasn't even tried to fight the outcome. Why doesn't he even try? Wow. Really turning on your own team in defeat, huh, Richard? Defeat? It's not defeat when it's rigged. Oh, those little ankle-biting, curtain-climbing brats surely have been juicing up. Oh, and I'm not just talking about with the milkman. Whoa, this is getting dark, Richard. You're scaring me. And those blades of grass. Do you see how they're all facing the wrong direction? It's affecting how the ball bounces. That grass thinks it's got it made in the shade, but oh, 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 wow. Do you think the grass might just be conspiring? Yes, Richard. The grass is in on it. You know, they say baseball is like socialism, where everyone gets an at-bat. Do you think the Red Menace could be behind this? No, Richard. I've been hearing a lot about how voting machines are a big threat to freedom. Do you think that might have affected No, the- Richard. You beta parents, how are you standing for this? Do you see what's really happening here? Don't let the lamestream news media feed you this fake news of a game. You are a disgrace. Why aren't you out there defending me? <laughs> this is a criminal offense. You're taking a big risk in not supporting me or my grandson. We need to band together and find the runs we need to turn this into a victory. There's no way we lose this game. Richard, who are you calling? Hi there, lawyer. Can we file that injunction we talked about preventing the league from declaring a winner in this game? At least in a few key states. (laughs) Oh, and uh, also, can we organize a press conference in the parking lot of the baseball field's groundskeeper? 
I have some suspicions about the grass. Of course he does. Of course he does. Talk about wanting to take your ball and go home. <laughs> You're out! Oh no, they think the game's over. And now they're lining up to tell each other good game. This game's not over! <laughs> Don't admit defeat! Give them a knuckle sandwich! Let's storm the league office and hang the commissioner! What? <laughs> Richard, watch Whoa. your mouth! As a grandparent and mentor, you're setting an example for your grandson. What do you think he's learning when you say things like that? I have to say, I can't believe the things you're saying. Frankly, I'm shocked by your behavior. Do you really think losing a game makes you loser? You're only a loser if you lose your integrity. No, don't give me the royal shaft or royal bat, Spaz. My grandson is no loser. But the larger point here is who cares that his team lost? I mean, really, who cares? Just, just a game. And yes, we'd all rather be winners, but it's not always about winning and losing. You know, it's about sportsmanship and supporting your grandson. You know, making sure he feels loved, win or lose. Ultimately, we just want him to be the best he can be. We don't try to win just because we want others to lose. The other team is not our enemy, you know. Losing is an opportunity for growth. You learn from your loss so that you can experience success in the future. I like the cut of your jib, Spaz. Maybe you're not such a swing and a miss after all, eh? You really drove your points home like an RBI. Son, go ahead and shake those hands. And you don't even need to spit in your hand first. Hugs all around. Oh, boy. I miss sports. Hoping we'll be able to get back out there sometime in 2021. Sounds like Richard's really grappling with defeat. I think there's a lot of folks in this country who are doing the same these days. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, I've been thinking a lot about this. And I've got a serious question here, fellas, that I'd like to get off my chest once and for all. Murs, I have to say, I really appreciate like your reflective, introspective nature. You know, as someone who's who's just survived COVID, like you are you're constantly challenging yourself with difficult questions. I just want to applaud your bravery and courage and and speaking your truth. What's up? Well, thank you, Ben. I really appreciate that. Um, So why do people with foot fetishes never win? God damn it, Mers. (laughs) Because they like the taste of defeat. (laughs) Ew. Just don't rub your feet on the produce. (laughs) Oh, come on. Jeez. Okay, so. As a country, on January 20th, we will participate in an incredible tradition that is uniquely American because we are a democracy. It so happens to be, or at least has been, one of the most non-toxic displays of manliness in human history, the peaceful transfer of power from one democratically elected president to another democratically elected president. Yeah, and one of them didn't even have Russia to help them. (laughs) Yeah, you're taking us way back to uh, Trump's first impeachment. (laughs) Am I, though? (laughs) Am I? (laughs) But for context, in the history of the world, it is an extraordinary thing 
for a country to do, to peacefully transfer power on a regular basis. We take it for granted, but we need to remember that this democracy we've built is fragile and under constant threat. We've got to hope that our great country will be stronger than any one person because it is being put to the ultimate test. Now, this isn't the first time in America's 244-year history that we've had a contested election. But it is the first time a departing president has intentionally shortened the transition period by withholding national security briefings from the incoming administration. Uh, The 9-11 Commission found that a shorter transition period was a factor that added to the unpreparedness in the 2001 attacks. Mm. Yeah, and of course, this is the first time a sitting president has incited an insurrection, directing Mm. a mob to attack our sanctuary of democracy, the U.S. Capitol. And Trump is the first president to ever be impeached twice. Mm -hmm. Yay. Mm. Yep. When you're first at something. (laughs) Yeah, let's be the precedent. God. This is truly a sad, dark moment in our country's history. A real man seeks to be a leader, a guardian of the pack, who inspires and makes sure everyone can be their best selves. Because a real man knows that we are stronger together. A fake alpha only seeks to divide because their goal is only to prop themselves up and not others. And when we are divided, we the people are easier to conquer because a fake alpha seeks to conquer us, not make us stronger. And to conquer everyone, left, right, and center. We're talking about what's happening in this country right now on this show, because the president is supposed to be our leader, giving us a model of true masculinity. He, or she, or they, are supposed to be the ultimate guardian. Now, let's take a look at how this leader chooses to lead us. Here are his words in a speech just before the mob stormed the U.S. Capitol in the insurrection. Yeah, and in case there's any question in your mind about what Trump is trying to accomplish with his speech, just listen to his words. Yeah, his words matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Words do matter, especially someone who's in charge and supposedly a leader. Yeah, so he told the crowd to, quote, fight much harder, unquote, against the, quote, bad people, unquote, and to, quote, show strength unquote, at the Capitol. He told them that, quote, very different rules, unquote, applied to them. Yeah, and he said, quote, we will never give up. We will never concede. You will have an illegitimate president. That is what you will have, and we can't let that happen, end quote. Sounds like someone refusing to accept the reality that he lost an election. Mm Mm-hmm. And sounds like someone very clearly giving his audience something to fight for. Quote, we can't let that happen. And then he says, quote, we fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. End quote. I don't know how more clear you can get to be inciting a mob than this. I guess you can literally be saying, go to the Capitol and try to make host- take hostages and execute the vice president and speaker of the house. Is that what it takes? He clearly knew what he was doing. And when he said after the fact that his speech was, quote, totally appropriate, 
end quote, despite knowing the impact his words had. Anyone who doesn't believe he was openly inciting an attack on our capital, well, I just, I just don't know how you can get more compelling evidence than that. Does anybody else like feel their brain go numb when you're reading Trump speak? <laughs> I'm just saying. Also, I don't know why we seem to be stuck in the lie that this was a protest or a demonstration. Can we call this what it is? This was an attempted coup and those people are terrorists and the people that stormed the Capitol with weapons and climbing gear and handcuffs did it with absolute intention. And quite frankly, these people are traitors. I mean, that's by definition what a traitor is. Mm. And I say that as a veteran who served this country and plastic cuffs or the zip tie handcuffs are made for quick combative restraints. And if you've ever been zip tied, you're going to have to basically saw your own hand off to get out of those. Mm. They're not like your uh, hardware store zip ties. They're like a half inch thick. Mm. You know, they're, they're really strong. I think one time I can remember like my buddy's truck getting stuck in the mud and they had those things and it like held the weight, mm. <laughs> like <laughs> pulling, pulling a car with it. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying they're strong. You know, you don't yeah. get those unless you, you, you have an intention to use them. They're industrial strength. They're meant to detain and, and hold somebody. Yeah. You're not getting out of it on your own. Intention behind that. I mean, the, the FBI director, right. They had a thing and they want to separate aspiration from intentional. And I think that's where you start to get into the, the mob mentality and getting sucked away with the mob and what they're trying to do. Uh, the FBI assistant director, Stephen Dan on Dan Tuono, Dan Tuono. Sorry, I'm messing that up. Uh, he had a press conference with the U S attorney for DC, Michael Sherwin uh, a couple days ago. And they are saying, you know, this is truly an assault on the constitution. Um, or at least that's the way I took it. Uh, and you have to preserve, protect and defend the constitution of the United States from threats, both foreign and domestic. I mean, if you think about this as a national security issue, right? So now you have people who are going into desks in the Capitol for the Speaker of the House, for the pro tem, for the Vice President of the United States. These desks are open and being ransacked and rifled through. And as they're being ransacked and rifled through, if I was a spy from a foreign country and I knew that there was going to be this kind of opportunity to get into the U.S. Capitol, to break into the U.S. Capitol, to get in there and take the, the notes from mm. prominent members of Congress. So the 9-11 Commission, as I mentioned earlier, said that a shorter transition period added to our lack of preparation for the 2001 attacks. So encouraging people to fight harder and show strength, quote unquote, is literally violence. I mean, fight means violence, right? Fight harder, violence harder, and then show strength as an easy way to do that, to show your strength is to break stuff. So like if you're strong enough to break a board with your bare hands or a wall or a window or a police officer's face mask. Right. This is what was happening at the Capitol. These were just a few of the misplaced, misunderstood examples of strength and violence and fighting that were being shown in the videos that I saw. I mean, it's all right there with treason, in my humble opinion. Yeah. I mean, going to, to desk, like, what do they take upper deckers to? But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk about intention. You know, if a van shows up with a plunger, 
you know, you assume what his intentions are. Now, this is correct, right? Specifically, the FBI, uh, Stephen D'Antono and the U.S. Attorney for D.C. said aspiration versus intention. So the intention to use automatic weapons and destructive devices like pipe bombs were specifically listed in the briefing from January 12th. Uh, the actors or rioters or whatever you want to call the people breaking into our hallowed capital brought the tools of the trade that would be implemented in a coup. Mm -hmm. Then there's the flag code, which specifically states any person who within the district of Columbia in any manner for exhibition or display shall place or cause to be placed any word, figure, mark, picture, design, drawing, or any advertisement of any nature upon any flag standard colors or ensign of the United States of America, and it goes on like that, I mean, it's very specific, shall be deemed guilty of a misdemeanor and shall be punished by a fine not exceeding $100 or by imprisonment for not more than 30 days or both in the discretion of the court. Basically, if you have a flag that says Trump on it or says live free or die or is an American flag or ensign or meant to be like just a normal average person. If you think that is supposed to be a flag of the United States and there's anything on it that does not belong, you're subject to that uh, a fine not exceeding $100 or by imprisonment for not more than 30 days or both. So all of the people that were flying, let's say the flag of a losing army that tried to fight against the United States and lost, and they were flying that flag in the Capitol, I, I just don't agree with that. I don't agree with the stars and bars being flown in the Capitol. Mm. And it's specifically illegal in D.C., as I read the flag code. So, wow. I'm done ranting, but that, that I really get jacked up about the wrong flag flying and people essentially trampling our democracy and legitimacy as a country on the world stage for everybody to see this is what the United States citizens do when they, when they lose. And that is absolutely false. It just sickens me to hear Trump use words like integrity, <laughs> that he's trying to save our democracy. He is quite blatantly attacking democracy mm -hmm. while himself lacking integrity to say our country will be destroyed. When he is actively working to destroy America and he knows this, which is why he uses language like that. The same way traitors who attack our capital call themselves patriots and claim to fight for freedom. They only fight to oppress and enslave to destroy freedom. But they claim their efforts are in the name of freedom. It is deplorable while heartbreaking. How can anyone feel good about seeing Confederate flags fly at the U.S. Capitol? How can anyone feel good about seeing someone, seeing someone take down the American flag and put up a Trump flag? It's supposed to be country first with Trump and his radical supporters. It's tr 
Trump first. Yep. That is no way to lead. That is no way to be guardian of your pack of the American people. I got a question. If firefighters fight fires and crime fighters fight crime, what if freedom fighters fight? <laughs> freedom! <laughs> and to call for the execution of a sitting vice president, how can anyone feel good about a mob constructing gallows at the U.S. Capitol and chanting, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence? I mean, you know, it's not a surprise to me that Pence called the National Guard, not Trump. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Johnny Spass. Trump sicked his mob on Pence of all people. He turned on someone who had been incredibly loyal to him, you know, and agree or disagree with Mike Pence and what he stands for. But no one can argue that he's been incredibly loyal to to Trump throughout four really difficult years, which is just the thing a fake alpha would do now. Someone who seeks to dominate like a caged animal would turn on on his closest lieutenant. And this is in contrast to a true alpha wolf in the wild. Someone who looks out for the pack as a guardian. Trump once again shows he is no guardian. He tries to be a warrior when what we need is a statesman. Yeah. So what's the difference between a statesman and a politician? Mm. You guys know? Mm-mm. Okay. A politician thinks of the next election. A statesman thinks about the next generation. Mm. I thought that was a joke. <laughs> it is a joke. <laughs> it's a big joke. Specifically, it's a tragedy. Mm. Politicians win elections, right? Statesmen lose because they weren't thinking of the election. Instead of thinking of the next election, they made the mistake of being a guardian and thinking of the next generation. It's, it's either a tragedy, right? If you're going to call it a joke, which it is a joke. Tragedies are, are comedies. Or, or maybe it's satire. And that's the sad part about that whole saying. Yeah. During the attack on the Capitol, the mob was openly chanting to hang Mike Pence. And Trump plays coy as if he was not openly inciting a mob to execute a sitting vice president. Let's hear for ourselves whether Trump is inciting the mob to go after Pence. Yeah. And we're going to play this clip, but note where we have it sped up a little because I just I want to minimize the time we're giving a platform to seditious and traitorous words and behaviors. And then I take it this White House, we're going to fight like hell, I'll tell you right now. And I hope Mike Pence comes through for us, I have to tell you. I hope that our great vice president, our great vice president comes through for us. He's a great guy. Of course, if he doesn't come through, I won't like him quite as much. No, Mike is a great guy. He's a, he's a, he's a wonderful man and a, a smart man and a man that I like a lot. Quote, when you catch somebody in a fraud, you're allowed to go by very different rules. So I hope Mike has the courage to do what he has to do, unquote. Trump is a fake alpha who demands blind loyalty, even if he asks you to defy the Constitution and overturn a legal election. In true fake alpha fashion, Trump has proven that he will turn on his chief lieutenant and call the wolves on him if he doesn't get his way. Hmm. Well, so that's the question. Like, how does this all connect to our quest to be better men? Well, Trump provides us with the ultimate example of a fake alpha. Everything we're witnessing are extreme examples of toxic masculinity on a grand scale. 
and he is encouraging others to bring out the toxicity within themselves. It saddens me deeply that so many are so quickly able to turn to the worst within themselves. They think they are fighting for what they believe in, but a real man reflects deeply on the good that his beliefs bring into the world. Help everybody first and help yourself last. Uh, the, the person who helps everyone first, they're not worried about themselves because they, they know mm. like they can take care of themselves. They can rely on themselves. Mm. They're self-reliant, if you will. Uh, if you are confident that you can take care of yourself, uh, the last thing that you should do is, is take care of yourself first. Yeah, it's kind of like a reverse airplane oxygen mask rule. Hmm. Yeah, you know, you, you can take care of yourself. So if you know uh, you can breathe, you should get up and help others with their masks, right? I, kind of. Yeah, you can't help somebody else if you can't breathe. So they tell you to put your own on first. But that's the selfless thing to do. But in, in what you're talking about, it's like, you know, if you're in a burning building and you're a firefighter, you're the last one, first one in, last one out. Right. And you, and you know that you can rely on yourself and your equipment to get out of there. So you're not going to try to save yourself. You're going to try to save somebody else first. But uh, yeah, that's just. Yeah. I'm sure Trump doesn't understand first one in, last one out mentality. I don't even know if he could put that sentence together. Right. God. Maris, earlier you were reflecting on getting COVID and how being afflicted with this deadly virus, you were feeling exhausted. Mm-hmm. And how toxic masculinity prescribes that. You may never have moments of weakness. You must always project strength. And we know that that is a false worldview because it assumes you're a caged animal who must fight off other wolves to get your little scrap of food. Mm -hmm. A real man is secure in himself enough that he can allow himself to show who he really is, whether he it's being vulnerable or not. Because he has earned the trust of his pack. Now, we see how that plays out with Trump. Quote, you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. We will never give up. We will never concede. End quote. These are not the words of a real man. These are the words of a coward leading his followers into the abyss. Yeah, when I heard him say weakness, I just went red. You know, fuck you and what you think is weakness. <laughs> so I play a lot of video games. Red Dead Redemption was one of them. And in the beginning of that game, the leader of the bandits, who and you play as the bandits, but you're kind of like a moral or gray knight bandit type mm-hmm. thing. Uh, strength and strong and strength and strong. We got to be strong. We got to have strength <laughs> to get through this, right? This is what this guy, this leader of the bandits is saying the whole time. Be strong against adversity. It's a, it's a cowboy type game, right? It's yeah. in the old West, literal bandits. And the leader of that game, you know, he's, he's always saying that, keep strong, keep strong, keep strong. We have to preserve. And you'll never take the country or what did he say? It's something like you'll never take country back. Hmm. Um, he's like tripling down. You can double down and then you triple down. It's like this is a fight and, and a battle that we're in. Yeah, it's like he's trying to be a warrior. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I say? Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Jeez. <laughs> now, to be very, very clear, there is zero evidence of widespread voter fraud. This is 100% a case of someone who does not 
like the results of the election, who is concocting reasons not to accept it. Okay, so a little context here. Let's assume, for the sake of argument, that photo fraud did actually take place. In fact, let's take the extra step of assuming that there might have even been, like, say, I don't know, like a thousand votes or a thousand cases of voter fraud. And that's highly unusual and unprecedented. With 81 million popular votes, Biden had 7 million more votes than Trump did. So fine, here's your 1,000 votes that were supposedly fraudulent, but how do you account for the 7 million votes? And let's assume for the sake of argument that an entire state was somehow actually corrupt, which again, there's zero evidence of. But let's say Georgia and the Republican Secretary of State Republican through the election and made Biden a winner. Okay. Throw out Georgia's 16 electoral votes and give them to Trump. Biden still wins in a 42 electoral <laughs> votes landslide. Yep. You know, it must feel to Trump really bad that even though he cheated and had all these people in his pocket, he hmm. still lost. What Trump is alleging is so incomprehensibly beyond reason. And again, zero evidence. And with something so preposterous, we're only left to reason that it would seem there's a greater chance that he is completely making this up than there being any truth to such a giant fish story. And so in, in this analysis here, we're speaking under the assumption that Trump lost the election and has concocted allegations to deflect from the fact that he quite handily lost this election. Yeah, and zero evidence. That's the circle with the line through it. The new Celebrity Apprentice is taking over Washington, D.C. with a new host, Arnold. He became Mr. Olympia. Then he conquered Hollywood. Then he became governor of California. And now what? I'm back. And in this special edition of The Celebrity Apprentice, when MAGA Man isn't busy calling for the overthrow of a democratically elected president, he can be seen playing golf, eating cheeseburgers, and inciting an insurrection. This is totally appropriate, totally appropriate. This is Celebrity Apprentice. Arnold, when I was host, my ratings were much bigger than yours. Much bigger than yours, Arnold. Uh, much bigger. They were tremendous. Very tremendous. You're a disgrace to the show. Well, Terminator 2 was a sequel that came after a successful first movie. At least I got the sequel. How's that second term working out for you? <laughs> Actually, I stand corrected. You did get a sequel after all. A second impeachment. <laughs> anyway, Magaman. Where do I start? I guess by simply asking, what the hell happened? How was any of this acceptable? Well, look, Arnold, uh, first off, you're being very loud and aggressive. I don't like people being loud and aggressive. It makes me feel nervous. And if I get nervous, business doesn't get done. And that's just bad for business. Quiet. Just sit down and be quiet. I don't care if you're nervous. I don't care if you're pooping your pants. You need to understand that what you did is unacceptable. You told them to show strength and fight. Then they stormed the U.S. Capitol. Magaman, this is hallowed ground, the heart of our democracy. 
And because of you and your actions, they stormed the building, climbed walls thinking they were spied the guy or whatever. <laughs> because of you and your negative influence on the American people. This isn't how you run a business. This isn't how you run a country. This is by far the biggest evidence ever of showing you were never meant to be president of the United States. You know, I think this is, uh, what is this called? Uh, what is it called? Uh, roid rage. Yeah, you, you're just so juiced up with steroids and supplement pills that uh, Antifa gives its warriors that you're just throwing reason out the window and blaming innocent people like me for things that I didn't do. Are you serious? Did you not hear a thing I just said? MAGA man, there is video evidence of you standing in front of a crowd telling them to fight. And what happened? They fought. They fought the law. They fought democracy. Six people are dead and a national treasure disgraced because of you. Well, you know, those people who attacked were all uh, Antifa. You know, it's those Antifa guys, the ISIS guys. They're probably Russian and Chinese terrorists. And that guy with the horns is probably one of those incels that does uh, LARPing to get off. <laughs> None of them were American to begin with. Magaman, there is no evidence of Antifa, of Russian influence, of any of that. If you don't believe me, the proof is in the pudding with the police records of the arrest across the entire country. All of them are American. All of them are your supporters. None of them are any of the things you just said. Here you are just spitting out lies and more lies. You're like a sprinkler, just spitting out lies in a cycle rotation over and over again, like the spinning blades of a chopper. A true leader doesn't lie. A true leader and a real man never lies. I never said I cheated. Cheating is for losers and I never lost. Shut up! You cheated numerous times. You had the Georgia phone call that went viral. You tried to sway your own vice president to do your bidding at the Capitol. And what happened? He said no, and he did the honorable thing that any leader and any American would do, and that is do his damn job and protect the Constitution. Because of this, you called to your supporters and tried to cheat your way to a vote victory. Face it, Maga man, you lost. You lost the election worse than when you lost your casino. <laughs> you lost the election like when you lost any momentum in selling your cardboard Trump stakes. You lost. <laughs> and normally, when someone loses, they accept it, learn from it, and move on to do better things. Mm. Yet here you are, acting like a baby, going way, 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 pouting and being a brat instead of being a damn adult. <laughs> I'm sick of your behavior. The nation is sick of your behavior. The world is sick of your behavior. I've made my decision. MAGA man, you're fired. Hasta la vista, you big baby. No, no, no. I'm not fired. You're fired. You can't fire me. I'm infireable. Me being fired is inconceivable. Mike, Rudy, fix this. Fix this whole thing so I can go find a porn star to bribe. Uh, guys? Guys? There is no one here, MAGA man. They're all gone. Just like your cabinet members, everyone quit and left you alone when they smelled fire coming from the capital. Now no one can save you now. Oh yeah, I knew a French guy like you would pull off something like this. I'm going to round up my supporters, the true Americans, and they will come in here and tear this whole place down with fire and fury. Take this. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Take this. <laughs> Now you've done it. I think it's time to take out the trash. Magaman, you are not just fired. 
You're terminated. <laughs> Go, get to the chopper while you can still walk. <laughs> Don't worry, America. Unlike me, you won't be back. <laughs> Meanwhile, at a golf course in Florida. I'll show them. I'll show that Australian guy. You can't beat the Trumpster. I'm going to use my Twitter to lay the smack down on all those democracy dicks and show them who's boss. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why can't I use my Twitter? Uh, why is this happening? Oh, uh, let me call someone. Uh, uh, hello? Uh, Twitter tech support? Yeah, I tried accessing my Twitter, but uh, my account isn't there. Could you be a sweetheart and fix that? What? You want me to activate your Twitter? What? You want me to just press a magic button to get your Twitter back? What? Maga Man, let me tell you something, Donald Jabroni Trump. The people have spoken, Maga Man, and because of you being a dumbass with your Twitter, you ain't allowed to do nothing. That means no texting. What? Tweeting. What? Retweeting. What? Sharing. What? Liking. What? Hell, not even sexting. What? You ain't doing nothing, and you won't do nothing, son. The people just stopped a butthole in your Twitter account and walked it dry. You ain't gonna be tweeting no more, and that's the bottom line, cause the U.S. said so. <laughs> no, even my Twitter is gone. No, this can't be. It can't be. This isn't over. You haven't heard the last of me. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> a two drill salute. There's a two drill salute. Because the United wow. Stone Cold State said so. The Stone Cold State said so. <laughs> what? I'm going to pee myself. So are we going to go ahead and, uh, yeah, that was great. That was only, it was less than nine minutes. So we might even be able to fit the whole thing. Woo. It's not the last time I'm going to say that. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Arnold for the win and stone cold with the smackdown. I'll be back. You eat other people's lunches. Don't do that. Get to the chopper. You want to live? I'll be back. I, I'm not. Rubble baby buggy bumpers. Rubble baby bumpy bumpers. Will Trump be back though? Guess it's up to the Senate to determine if he's going to hold office again. Yeah. So I mean, did you guys hear that Trump is planning on hiding out in Egypt after the attack on the Capitol? Oh, really? I think I would have heard about that by now. Yeah, he's in Egypt because he's well adept at navigating denial. <laughs> what? Uh, what? <laughs> there. Unfortunately, there are situations in life, and this is one of them, where there must be a winner and user. Thank you, Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? What? <laughs> Don't thank me. Thank my two Steve wives I just drank to help bring this show up to a new <laughs> level. <laughs>
That was great. Macho, macho man. I've got to be a macho man. So what have we learned here? Let's analyze his behavior in dealing with this loss as a case study of toxic masculinity. So Mers, how did we get here? So it all started months before election day, even uh, before a vote was even cast. Uh, you know, seeing the writing on the wall with the polling showing him way behind nationally and, of course, in key battleground states, Trump began like a preemptive campaign to discredit election results. So he wasn't even so much as trying to make a case for his reelection, but more trying to discredit Biden's eventual election. So he comes up with these completely made up conspiracy theories that mail-in ballots cast for President Donald Trump had been dumped in the trash of rivers or that dead people were voting. Uh, some people hear this and are quickly convinced that there was widespread cheating. Again, not with a lick of evidence. While others hear this and are correctly realize, oh, this narcissist would rather try to overthrow a fair election than accept his legitimate defeat. People, people, can't you see it? You're being played. It's so freaking obvious. He's just laying the groundwork to his eventual strategy of trying to discredit the loss. You know, facts don't matter to this guy. He just says whatever the fairy tale story he can make up at the time. And, and people are just so, so very quick to believe it. What's funny is one of the judges who threw out one of Trump's 50 or so lawsuits was quoted as saying, calling an election unfair does not make it so. So then what happened, Merce? So then election day comes and the vote counts begin. And if you remember, that was on a Tuesday, as per usual. The election wasn't called until that Saturday. So we had several stressful days where the country was on the edge of its seat. Uh, the world, even for that matter, many countries were watching. this. <laughs> yeah, we are at center stage for the world. The night after election day, Trump gives his first post-election speech where he alleges fraud. So with millions of ballots left to count, he declares victory and says he'll take the election to the Supreme Court because of a, quote, major fraud on our nation, unquote. This is when he said, quote, if you count the legal votes, I easily win, unquote. Yeah, and that's a tactic of <clears throat> liars to try to identify with the people he's trying to speak to, you know, saying that mm. this is an attack on our nation. It's not an attack on me. Notice he never says it's about him. Mm. Yeah, I remember that speech and I wish it didn't. That's one where all the networks had to cut away to correct him because he was telling so many lies, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. And I mean, then, it's kind of hard to, I, I know, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's, I know that's like, you're like, well, which time? <laughs> well, not which, which time, which network. And when he was given that speech on election night and they all cut him, all of them cut him. That says something. You just cut off the president of the United States, but Trump gets shot down by his SCOTUS picks, right? So the Supreme Court dismissed out of hand a case trying to block the ballots of millions of voters in battleground states. Now, this was a court that Trump himself stacked, mind you, with three appointees. They put out a very brief statement, closing the door on legal challenges. Then Trump invites members of state legislatures in battleground states to the White House, trying to convince them to overturn their state's elections. He calls electors and election board members directly 
lobbying them to change their votes. Now, this is absolutely unheard of. He conducted a full-fledged campaign to overturn an election, to overthrow the government. Right. So he directed that the government pull transition support to the incoming president-elect's administration. And all of this, while everyone around him is telling him to concede, advisors, uh, even Pat Robertson. (laughs) You know when Pat Robertson gets involved (laughs) against you, you're bad. It's bad. Right. If you're a Republican. Well, yeah. And his own family, right? I mean, his advisors, Pat Robinson, and his own family. Come on. On November 7th, the Saturday when all the networks called the election for Biden, rather than making a call to concede the election, Trump became the first president in modern history to not concede his loss. Instead, he tweeted, quote, I won this election by a lot, unquote. Now, if you actually won, you wouldn't have to tell everyone, all in caps. Well, that means he's serious this time. And screaming like a child, like a five-year-old, I won, I won. But makes that weird puckered anus face that he does. Oh, his tongue goodness. is past his lips <laughs> and his teeth. I don't understand. Like it's hard to, uh, yeah. And and this is just a taste of everything he did to deny that he lost the election. In all this, we see the great lengths Trump has gone to not to accept the reality of his defeat. You're supposed to win with honor, not by cheating. And I'll just close this recap by quoting Benjamin Franklin. Quote, it is the religion of ignorance that tyranny begins. End quote. Choice wording. Give it up to my man, Ben Jamin. The one on the $100 bill. Both you guys. (laughs) Benji's. Now, this is in profound contrast to the other examples of a contested but peaceful transfer of power. Al Gore conceded to George W. Bush after the Supreme Court ruled five to four to stop the recount in Miami-Dade County. Now, I remember this when this happened. And I remember I was furious. I was just up in arms. I'm like, fight, Al. But Gore reacted quite immediately a day after the ruling to concede. He said, quote, now the U.S. Supreme Court has spoken. Let there be no doubt. While I strongly disagree with the court's decision, I accept it. End quote. His concession speech should be required reading in history classes across the nation. Almost a century and a half ago, Senator Stephen Douglas told Abraham Lincoln, who had just defeated him for the presidency, partisan feeling must yield to patriotism. I'm with you, Mr. President, and God bless you. Well, in that same spirit, I say to President-elect Bush that what remains of partisan rancor must now be put aside and may God bless his stewardship of this country. Now, Al Gore, this is a man who lost the presidency after a hard-fought election, but when faced with the finality of defeat, he did not kick and scream. He did not incite insurrection, which, by the way, given the temperature of the nation in that moment, could absolutely have been the direction we went. No, like a real man who puts his country above his own selfishness, he called for unity and pledged to support this president. He said, I also accept my responsibility, which I will discharge unconditionally to honor the new president-elect 
and do everything possible to help him bring Americans together in fulfillment of the great vision that our Declaration of Independence defines and that our Constitution affirms and defends. Wow. This is what a real man in action looks like, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, McCain in 2008, after losing, said, quote, the American people have spoken and they have spoken clearly, end quote. His supporters booed, but McCain didn't budge from his ideals. Country first, always. McCain even shut down Obama being booed. Now that's just a class act. That's how you lose with uh, honor. By his own supporters. Right. He shut them down. I mean, that's amazing. You juxtapose that with uh, former President Trump. Former (laughs) President Trump. Uh, When he called John McCain a loser. Can we just acknowledge how astonishing that is? John McCain, rest in peace, who is as much of an American hero as you can get, who fought for his country and sacrificed for his country, was called a loser by someone who dodged the draft, mm. someone who used his privilege to get out of serving his country, calls Americans who died in war losers and suckers. I like people that weren't captured. Mm. Yeah. Well, it, not only I like that. people who serve his country. Yeah. Certainly aren't. Yeah, I like, I like people that serve their country. You know, when they're called upon, they don't get out of it because their daddy's rich. When Trump hears service, he thinks about fucking room service. <laughs> okay. That dude doesn't have any concept of honor, duty, or compassion for others. He knows a little bit of something about duty. He's got a golden toilet. Duty! The golden toilet. There's only one reason a man shits on gold. <laughs> Because his ass isn't worth it? No. That's a statement. It's for somebody who's got too much money. That's what that is. So while Trump has been obsessed with overturning a legal election, what hasn't he been focusing on? Well, since Trump first alleged fraud two days after the election, 139,209 people have died and counting. And that's as of today, January 14th. By the time this podcast comes out, thousands more will have died. Trump was supremely laser focused on overturning this election. 140,000 people died from COVID. That's more than the number of Americans who died in the Korean War. And that's 371,000 total deaths under Trump's watch which is more than how many Americans died in World War I. COVID is now the number one cause of death in the United States, and this came under Trump's watch. We're still waiting for that national plan to, to beat COVID, and the Biden administration just can't come soon enough. And don't forget, there was a massive Russian cyber attack. One of the most successful cyber infiltrations of the U.S. government and corporate institutions in history. Jeez, yes. And of course, skyrocketing jobless numbers, police brutality, millions without health care, shocking levels of inequality with the richest getting richer. The list goes on and on. Where's the leadership? Why must we Americans be dragged into your nonsense, Mr. Trump? 
We've got more important things to concern ourselves with than you. We've got families to take care of. This country has been revolving around you for long enough. So what's really going on here? We've seen Trump not able to accept defeat. Why is that? What is Trump doing that he doesn't want you to know about? Well, inside, he's terrified. Terrified of being seen as a loser. He just can't admit that he lost. He spent 10 years in reality TV firing people and cannot fathom the humiliation of facing the possibility that actually it is he who is fired by the American people. And by the Arnold. You're terminated. Hasta la vista, you big baby. (laughs) (laughs) So in Trump's world, either somebody forgot how to count or there's fraud. You see, fake alphas can never be wrong. So given this worldview, it's entirely predictable that he would react this way. He is ruled by the misguided belief that we're in the Hunger Games and must fight to the death to survive. Every person for him, her, or themselves. That we must dominate over others to be a leader. But all his assumptions are based on a mentality of being a caged animal, where food and freedom are scarce. But here's the thing. We don't have to allow ourselves to act like caged animals. Because if we choose, we can be free. If we only allow ourselves to do so. When you're an animal in captivity, any sign of weakness signals to the rest of the pack that you're vulnerable. And you might lose your stranglehold on the power you have in that pack. This is the fake alpha because looking at wolves in the wild, the leaders of the pack look out for the well-being of everyone. And they're not out to dominate or autocratically subjugate others because of this worldview. Trump simply can't compute you know, what to do when he loses. Does not compute. Does not compute. Does not compute. He's literally incapable of reconciling that he might have some real world choices that prevent him from getting what he wants and what he thinks is valuable by whatever distorted me uh, viewpoint that is. What? What? Hey, what did the elephant say to the naked man? What? How do you breathe through that thing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's going to go into the zinger. The fake alpha domination worldview doesn't allow for losing. For Trump, winning is completely tied to his masculinity. If he loses, then he cannot be a man. The only way you're a man is if you're dominating in his view. And when you're losing, you aren't dominating. But here's the thing. You absolutely need to lose to be successful. I wanted to save Gotham. I failed. Why do we force? So that we can learn to pick ourselves up. Given up on me. Never. 
Now, Donald Trump is not the first person in history who was unable to accept defeat. Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear. Then, of course, we have Kanye at the VMAs. And I would say that every single one of us encounters varying degrees of struggle to handle defeat, myself definitely included. I'm a very competitive guy who loves to win. But every once in a while, I'll lose a game of words with friends or my fantasy football team will crash and burn and I'll feel pathetically sad about it. Hell yeah, they did. That was a great season this year, Ben. Oh, wow. You, you actually tuned in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just automatically let my fantasy football go. But, you know, it was a good season to watch you just wreck. <laughs> but here's the thing. To get better, to evolve... To rise above, we must first fail. We have to fail to rise up. It's how we grow. Yeah, some people are born on third base and think they got a triple. But most of us have to fail and scratch and claw to get anywhere. Maybe when you're born on third and think you got a triple, you've never had to scratch and claw and understand what it takes to get there. Maybe that's one reason this president has struggled so much with defeat. But what I do know is that when we fail, when we lose, and don't catch the lesson to be learned, it is a wasted defeat, a wasted loss. That is how we all get stronger as a people. We must all challenge ourselves to embrace defeat as the opportunity that it is. Do you have any examples in your lives when you've, you failed at something and realize you needed to fail at that thing in that moment? I don't fail at anything. I'm a man. I've pretty much failed at everything <laughs> I've ever wanted to do. At some point in the journey of me doing it. So I have an example. Uh, I do a lot of acting and my brother was in a play and he uh, was doing deaf theater and they lost one of their characters. So they asked me to come in. Well, there's only a few weeks left until they went live. I don't do sign language. So I was kind of lost the whole time and I didn't end up being in the final production of that play. They had somebody else come in that just kind of pantomimed around the stage, which is fine in a lot of ways. It was a, it was a tough loss for me. Um, and I had to go and show them what sign language I had learned to do the part. And they said that it just, it wasn't a good fit. So that was pretty tough, but it, it taught me some lessons about how to work with people and how to perfect my craft more. So it was a good lesson to learn, like maybe a little bit more effort or maybe I shouldn't have thought that I could do something that I wasn't capable of doing. I don't know. I think, I think you're on something there too, Mars made me think about something like, what does it mean to fail? Why did, why did people care? Like if you got a scratch in your arm and you didn't feel pain, would you care? Like, would it have that emotional component to it? I'm sure you would still clean the wound and dress it. But if the pain wasn't there, would you like have any kind of emotional feeling? towards it life's way of saying hey you need to pay attention to whatever this is here right and i have a story about failure okay. and when Murs was talking about he was just saying it made me think about it you know when i joined the military i just i i, I needed something to do the friends that i had were going to college and i was like i didn't want to go to college and my mom wasn't forcing me kind of really she kind of said jokingly college or military hoping i'd pick college and i really showed her didn't i but I wanted to do uh, special forces 
in the Navy. It's why one of, one of the reasons I wanted to join the Navy. And I trained for a year before I went in with the, uh, I'd get up and I would do all the training and I'd sign up for the delayed entry program where you can learn all the stuff before you get in and then it increases your rank, but it takes real work. It takes real muster to get through all that, you know? And I sign a contract and I get into boot camp and they, you know, I went through the medical thing that they put you through and I had my heart set on this. All I wanted to do is all I could think I ran every day. I did sit-ups and push-ups and I worked out and I did all this thing. And all I wanted to do, it's all I was eating, breathing and sleeping and shitting Navy everything. I get through to boot camp and I'm doing all the training stuff. And just to give you a little context, they make you wake up. At 6 a.m. for Reveille, that's when you wake up in boot camp, call it Reveille. Uh, the people who were doing SEALs outside of their first training school, they woke up at 3 to 4 a.m. to do the pre-workout before everybody else started. And I went through all the way to the end of that. And when we're transitioning from boot camp, I go to my next thing and I get disqualified for my eye because it's not 2020 vision from the transition from boot camp to my first school. And what does that mean? That means I just spent the last year and a half of my life training for something that I can't do now because I got DQ'd for my eye, something that has nothing to do with my abilities or my work ethic or anything about it. And it was soul crushing. That was a failure. The failure wasn't that I got disqualified. The failure is that I I lost all motivation to fight for it after that point. Mm. You know, so there's something there. It's an emotional component where I just, I, I just got, I got taken by surprise, and I may have given an officer some attitude that was out of place and uncalled for on my part, and that led me to, eventually, where I was. And Ben, if I hadn't, if that hadn't mm. happened, I wouldn't have met you, for example. And by yeah. default, I wouldn't either. You wouldn't be here right Josh now, Josh or Mike. I wouldn't know anybody. So it's not about. To me, it makes me think about mourning the loss of something that you've worked hard for. But that failure makes me think of, you know, how do we pick ourselves up again? See, I didn't have the wherewithal or the insight from an outsider to say, hey, keep going. Don't just quit and give up because you failed. So that's kind of what I was going to say is we've got to embrace the defeat, right? And see it as an opportunity. That's important. Yeah. And. So when I lost my, the first role I've ever lost in a acting thing, right? I was like, maybe I'm just done. But instead I did embrace it and see the opportunity. And I did two more or three more plays. I can't remember, but I did at least two more plays. And when I did those two more plays, I applied myself significantly differently than I had before. Mm. So that defeat helped me to up my game, Mm. if you will. Mm -hmm. That loss of that character of that part in that play showed me that in other plays, I can't just half-ass it like I basically have and everybody thinks I'm great at acting. But instead, I have to actually, you know, like rehearse and not bring my script onto stage and memorize my lines. And Yeah, it takes some muscle to get that going, you know? It did, but that, that loss certainly changed my technique when it comes to acting. I remember that soul-crushing feeling that I hope Donald Trump feels right now. I hope his soul's crushed for a very long time. And I don't wish pain on anybody, but soul crushing feeling when what? What happened? When you a failing, like that realizing that something you've wanted and worked for and put in the time 
for yeah. and, and it can change the way you think you know you're you can get out of that hole the world is against me or feel sorry pity for yourself mm. or you know it, it's 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 easy to with when you yeah. have momentum to let that carry you that extra distance you know the momentum's there rock doesn't stop rolling down a hill until the hill stops and sometimes you gotta hit rock bottom to be able to pop back up sometimes there's moss growing on a rolling stone how many more rock <laughs> fucking jokes do we have in here for christ's sakes for me ben i always have to hit fucking rock bottom because that's not seemingly up until recently in my life the only way i learned yeah, but there's definitely like different paths you can take in that moment when you're feeling that your soul being crushed for whatever it is that that you failed at or whatever in that yeah. moment. There's definitely different routes you can take, and we've seen what this this president has has chosen. When I got the call uh, that I wasn't going to get the part, fortunately, I was. I mean, this is still bringing up like all those feelings of just disappointment and being crushed. But my yeah. brother was right there with me, and he was still in the play. So at that point in time, he consoled me and said, dude, don't worry. It's difficult. You're hearing everybody's deaf or at least does sign language. It's just a miscommunication. You didn't do anything wrong or bad. You're a fine person. So that was nice. But it was very, I would say, embarrassing was one of the feelings and being crushed, obviously. Like I've never been fired from a play, one that I volunteered for. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I don't remember all the names and details of my own story but i remember how i felt yeah yeah that feeling sticks with you okay i have a i have a story so there was this time everyone was like calling me a bum and i was like training and then a good friend of mine um was murdered by this russian boxer and so i had to go avenge his death so i went to Russia to train. <laughs> why? 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 I, okay. What's your girlfriend's name? Is it Adrian? <laughs> but you know, it's like it's funny because it's every. It's funny because it's not real. You didn't have a friend that got murdered by a Russian boxer. That's why it's fucking funny, Ben. Oh, Let's be real. That's right. Oh, it always happens. I confuse my life with Rockies. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, he did. It's a true lie. <laughs> True, True lies. lies. <laughs> True lies. Guys, remember when Ben said he used to be a boxer? He lied. <laughs> but I mean, it's like every plot from every Disney sports movie ever made, right? Is like basically the lesson of rising from failure and defeat, overcoming it to be your best self. And then some autocratic coach is hell bent on winning at all costs and he misguides his impressionable young players. Then some like underdog loser comes in and upends all that. And then the, the underdog works hard, strives to become better and insert training montage here. And then they actually get better and go on to win. So, I mean, that's basically mighty ducks. And actually here's a, here's a clip from the bad guy coach from mighty ducks. <laughs> this will be good. You missed this shot. You're not just letting your team down, you're letting me down too. Remember, it's not worth playing. If you can't win. That's right. Okay, sir. Let's go. Well, 
Walt Disney, incidentally, was fired by a newspaper editor because he, quote, lacked imagination and had no good ideas. <laughs> this is what Walt Disney said, quote, all the adversity I've had in my life, all my troubles and obstacles have strengthened me. You may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you, end quote. And it's interesting, too, because my, my real story is, uh, I mean, I've had, I have a, a ton of failure in my life. I mean, it's, my life has been trial and error, emphasis on the error. But one thing that kind of sticks out to me was a newspaper job I had applied to many years ago. Uh, and I didn't get the job and I, I was really excited to get it. I got this rejection letter and I put that up on my wall to motivate me. And, you know, it took me some time to realize it, but you know, the universe decreed that I wasn't supposed to be in that job at that time because uh, as a result of not getting that job, I was available to accept an, an even better job that came along a little later. So sometimes you just have to, to accept whatever, whatever the reality is, understand that it's just not right in the universe for you to do this thing right now and try to get the lesson out of it. And then and move on and get better. That's all you can do. Yeah. I mean, it's not all you can do, but it's all you can do. Maybe part of it is like uh, picking yourself up. Like you don't accept the loss. You just go right back to fighting to win. Right. If that makes sense. So, so then there's the question of, okay, well, how do we do this right? What is the sort of the model or the procedure in, in losing? I mean, I, I don't know what the textbooks say, but I mean, I can just speak in my own experience. Also what I sort of tell my son, Jack, I mean, first off, when you fail at something, yeah, it should stink. We're humans. So let's not deny that, you know, I'm feeling something right now that this sucks and I hate it. I hate losing. I hate failing. It's okay to feel that. What you want to try to do is be mindful about it and be aware that you're feeling that and then allow yourself to feel it. Because part of toxic masculinity is this notion that you have to be this stoic rock. And that denies our very nature as humans. And so healthy masculinity is in allowing us to feel emotion, being mindful of it and aware of it, and then channeling it and, and funneling it into something constructive. Yeah. And so this kind of reminds me of a couple examples with my son, Jack, there was a time, it was several months ago, Jack was really getting upset because he was, he was outside shooting hoops and he was just missing shots and he was just like really upset, really frustrated. And I could see him getting worked up. Then that starts this downward spiral, right? Where you miss one shot and you get mad and then you start missing all your shots because you're not focused. And so I pulled him aside and then we just had a talk. And, you know, one thing I was realizing and picking up on was that just how focused he was on, on winning, on dominating, on being the best. And yeah, it's, it's good to push yourself. It's good to want to be the best that you can be, but you also have to be realistic about where you're at and not let that throw you off track. And so we talked about, Hey, it's okay to feel sad and that you need to fail you need to miss those shots so that 
you can learn how to be better at making the shots. But to to bigger point, explaining to him that winning and losing doesn't define you. I don't watch him miss a shot and think, oh, my son is a loser. Of course, I don't think that. And yeah, I'm proud of Jack when he wins, when he succeeds. But my love for him does not diminish one iota if he were to lose that game, if he were were to miss that shot. I love him just as, as strongly. And so part of it is like just coaching him to not just on, oh, what's the proper technique on, on shooting a jump shot? It's how do you handle it when you miss? There was another example, actually, just it was just this weekend uh, when Jack's favorite team lost in the NFL playoffs. And I saw him get upset about it. And I was really proud. I told him I was proud of him for how he handled himself. Hmm. He allowed himself to get emotional and feel that emotion. He excused himself to go to his room and, and then experience this grief. So he didn't pretend the grief wasn't there. He, he embraced it and he fully felt it. And, and then he, he gave himself time to collect himself. And when he was ready, he came back out. And then, then I checked in with him and I, and I basically told him all that. Like, I'm really proud of what you did because you were feeling it. I'm proud of you for feeling it. I'm proud of you for being aware that you were feeling it enough to go and excuse yourself and give yourself some privacy to process whatever it is you needed to process. A lot of dealing with failure is dealing with grief. It's like you're almost mourning that you're not the perfect person you hope to be. And so I think a lot of the approaches that we use to handle grief, we also use to handle failure. Well, both are a loss, right? You lost somebody, you lost a game. Well, that takes emotional intelligence, you know? Handling grief is, <clears throat> is a skill. Yeah. And loss presents us with that feeling of grief, which can lead to, that's like opening the highways of different avenues, you know, like resentment or fear or anger or, you know, whatever. You fill in the blank. But what if I like those? Well, you can like them if, 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 if as long as it's not maladaptive to your existence, your day to day, meaning if it doesn't cause you mental or physical harm in a kind of routine manner where it affects your everyday life, you know, I'm not good at talking about losing. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. I don't know what losing feels like. Cause I'm a winner. <laughs> <laughs> That's not toxic at all. No, <laughs> I don't know. I suppose, I suppose I try to forget my losses. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's hard for me to remember. They're like, Oh yeah. Well, what are we going to talk about when it comes to losing? And I'm like, <laughs> Fuck, man, I don't remember the last thing I lost. Oh, I guess I lost, the, I lost the game of life last night. Seriously lost the game of life on family game night. Okay. <laughs> That's one loss. How did you treat that, Mike? Well, I had another shot of vodka. No, not really. I think I had two. But my point <laughs> is, I, I, like remembering a circumstance seriously where I lost, I, it's kind of tough for me. Like, I'm, what, what have I lost? What can we learn from Square 50's guy at that baseball game? that little league game but sometimes the referee is a communist uh i think they're umpires in baseball (laughs) games but nonetheless i appreciate you reaching out what do we learn or what could we learn from him 
well, don't be that guy that's yelling at the ump, except for I'm that guy always. You know, that actually reminds me of something. I went to Central Washington University and our softball team was playing in basically the finals or whatever you want to call it against Western Oregon University, which is where my brother went, oddly enough. So it's the two rival schools and a young lady on the Oregon team hits a home run. She gets to first base and she collapses, falls over. She messed up her leg really bad, a lot of pain. So two runs go in, the score is tied, but she's stuck on first base and the rules specifically say that your teammates can't help you go around the bases. So two members of the central team, they uh, went and helped this their opponent to go around the bases because she legitimately hit a home run. And that made Oregon win the game. So mm. the students from central knew that she legitimately got a home run but couldn't get any help from anybody except in the rules it didn't say anything about the other team helping. Just like the people watching the game and, and, the, and the same team couldn't help itself, nor could the umpires. So they picked her up and carried her around. And I thought that was really a cool uh, story. I think the coach from the other team said something like, uh, you know, it's something I'll never forget, but the game's about character and integrity and sportsmanship, and it's not always about winning and losing. So the Central team could have won. The Washington team could have won had they not carried her around because she would have just been with a single at that point. But they carried her around and they lost. And I thought that was just a really neat story mm. about winning and losing. And mm. I mean, it's that to me, it, it strikes me just how they weren't as concerned on win at all costs. I feel like if, if Trump had been on that other team that, that he would have like tackled them trying to carry the person around the bases or something, kick dirt in their face. <laughs> right. No, we're not going to do pick this. Her up. That doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is it was a home run. We all understand how a home run works. It goes over the fence. That's it. You get to go around the bases. And so they weren't giving that other, the opposing team, anything they weren't giving it to them. They had already earned it. So that's, that's what the sacrifice is all about there. Right. Is like, well, you earned this and she just got exactly what she was supposed to get. I don't know. That kind of reminds me, I play rec soccer and reminds me of when, like if someone gets hurt, the other team will just kick the ball out of bounds so we can take a tend to the person's injury. Yeah. And, and, and quickly they will kick the ball out of bounds. And then they'll like, they'll throw it back to the other team on the yes. throw in or, or whatever. Or they'll throw it to their own team. Their team will kick it out and then they'll get the throw in. Right. It's just I've done that many or I've seen that and been a part of the game where that has happened many times. It's pretty cool. Any last words on winning and losing? Failure. Winners never uh, quit. Winners never quit. Success is commemorated. Failure merely remembered. Unless you're Mike, and then I don't remember any of it. Yeah, I like that. So the ladder of success is built with the rungs of failure. If you're so afraid of failing, you'll never grow. The real gift is being creative and loving what you do. So Ichiro Honda was forced out of Toyota and was unemployed. Oprah Winfrey was fired from her television reporting job. Albert Einstein's teachers labeled him slow and mentally handicapped. This is what Soichiro Honda, who went on to to found the Honda car, says. Success represents the 1% of your work, which results from the 99% that is called failure. 
Is he related to E Honda? <laughs> I think all the Hondas are related. The Civics, CRVs, all of them. They have an Accord. They do have an Accord, and it is to be related and be relatable. Speaking of Einstein, I wonder if Square 50's guy has been able to calculate the final score of that Little League game. I don't need the theory of relativity to teach me good sportsmanship. Hey, hey Square 50's guy. Any closing words, my brothers? Yeah, we invented a Sesame Street character just for Trump. He's named Recount. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and this episode is brought to you by the number 270. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Uh, one joke. Ah, uh, uh, two jokes. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. What? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Why is lipstick losing market share in the makeup industry this time of year? Why? Because we live in a mask era. <gasps> hey Why did the bullet lose his job? He got fired. What does Donald Trump's wife say when he takes a Viagra? I don't know what. It's a rigged direction. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, failure is an opportunity for growth. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 What? 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 <laughs> hey, hey, uh, do you guys want to hear a joke about construction? Oh, who doesn't want to hear a joke about construction, Spaz? <laughs> uh, I'm still working on it. Oh, no! You know, a cheese factory exploded in France. Yeah. Yeah. Debris is everywhere. <laughs> oh, no, no. He's, he's done it. Oh, really? I think I would have heard about that. Oh, yeah? He's in Egypt because he's well adept at navigating denial. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what kind of joke was that? What? <laughs> but here's a clue. The loser had to wear their underwear on the outside of their pants for the rest of their life. Hey! <laughs> Uh, I have somebody at my front door, gentlemen. Just a moment, please. Sorry. Hey, I bet in a few seconds here, he's going to shut the front door. <laughs> you got to ask him if he did when he comes back. Until later. Okay, sorry. Hey, Merz, did you close the door? <laughs> yeah, why? Shut the front door. You shut the front door. <laughs> shut the front door. Shut it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode four of Sexy Dad Jokes. Please like and subscribe and visit sexydadjokes.com and get some merch. Until next time, all right.